Good morning. Rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Happy Monday. Today is October the 30th. Just one day until <laughs> spooky day. Halloween is coming. Hope you guys are all ready for a fun show. Some of this may frighten you, though. It was an epic weekend. You might have heard the news. I had a debate over the weekend with Liberty lockdown clint russell he wanted a piece of me after he came on my show and he says he wants to have a second debate this time moderated by the lovely josie everybody knows the red-headed libertarian girl on twitter she hosted a wonderful debate and i appreciate her for that it was great but libertarian blood was spilt and everybody wants a piece of me these days they just can't handle the AP for Liberty. They love it. They just want more and more and more. There's another debate that's been scheduled for this Thursday, November the 2nd, with this time with comedian Dave Smith. <laughs> Clown time should be fun. Don't forget to click that like button and subscribe to the channel. We look forward to hearing from you here this morning. You can text us at 573-319-1586. Good morning, AP and Libertarian Ghouls. Glad to have you here, Drummer Goy. Appreciate y'all. Don't forget to click that, click that like and subscribe. All right, let's get the show on the road. We got a lot to talk about. Of course, we got some awesome guests at the top of the show. Why every Jew needs an AR-15 or two. Oy vey, in an airport in Russia swarmed by Muslims who heard that a flight from Israel had been landing at their airport. Uh, the video is absolutely horrifying. Definitely a good reason why every Jew needs an AR-15 or two. We'll talk about that at the top of the show this morning. I've also got some great clips in recent news from uh, uh, Ron DeSantis, who was asked this weekend on Meet the Press about his view on red flag laws when it comes to firearms, specifically related to the main shooting last week. That killer was found dead with reportedly, but all, all I've seen in the, from the reports that Two gunshots were given to the head, and they say that it was committed by himself. And of course, everybody's like, two gunshots to the head. Well, I haven't been able to confirm that that's true. Maybe you have seen official reports that show that he did shoot himself in the head twice. But a lot of people, of course, immediately went to conspiracy theorizing. But for me, it was kind of like, well, that guy probably had a binary trigger. You see, there's this thing called Occam's razor, people. The simplest explanation is the most likely. The problem, of course, is that the truth is boring usually. And people, that's why people don't like the truth. One, because it usually exposes them and their lies and their bullshit and their grift and their, uh, uh, and their, <laughs> and the, the BS that they spin in the media and the alternative media, the mainstream media and the alternative media. Remember, it's all full of BS. The mainstream media isn't actually any worse than the alternative media when it comes to spinning lies and, and BS. Uh, it's not a, a, a shadowy conspiracy as to why people post retarded stuff on the internet. It's just that people are d damn dumb, and so they immediately, and because their lives are boring, they like to make shit up about, you know, why things happen in the world, because, you know, it's way more interesting than the truth, usually, and that's a sad reality. We'll talk about that this morning at 8 a.m. At uh, 7, excuse me, 7 a.m. At 7.30 this morning, I'm looking forward to talking to John Miltimore. He's editor-at-large at the Foundation for Economic Education. We're looking forward to hearing from him about a story, a couple of stories. One, and that is that state taxes have created masochism by the sea. I love this article in the Wall Street Journal. A tax foundation ranking of state business tax climates shows why more companies are fleeing the coasts 
That's right. They're heading west. Um, and, you know, that's one of the things about the United States that's great is that we have tax competition in the United States and business because businesses can vote with their feet and they are voting with their feet. We'll talk to John Milton more about that. And I've also sent him another one that I think is an interesting story. Buy boomers, sell millennials, buy and sell, right? Bulls and bears. Bank of America trade recommendation exploits, quote, big diversion and generational spending amid high interest rates. In other words, uh, the Bank of America investment team is saying that if you're uh, uh, going to be investing, they should buy companies or buy stock in companies that cater to the needs of boomers versus the needs of millennials, my generation. You know why? Well, because it should be pretty obvious. Millennials are broke and boomers got all the money. Honestly, not a bad strategy because most of the people my age that I know tend to be fairly broke and uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to be getting any better soon. So if you're an investor, maybe a good idea, buy boomers, sell, sell millennials, buy, B-U-Y, not B-Y-E or B-Y, but B-U-Y. Uh, why you need an AR-15, lots of reasons. We're going to talk about that this morning and we'll talk a little bit about how to get an AR-15. One of the things that I get quite frequently uh, is uh, questions from friends is how do I buy an AR-15 and what kind of AR-15 should I buy? What's legal? What's illegal? What should I do? I'll try and give you a nice little breakdown of uh, how to buy AR-15s, good ways to buy AR-15s. And a lot of this is subjective and there are going to be people who disagree with me and that's fine. If you disagree with me, drop a, a comment, of course, or just send me a, a text message, 573-319-1586. Again, you can text the show at 573 573- 319-1586. We'd love to hear from you this morning uh, at our text line. Of course, I do answer that night or day, so feel free to hit me up anytime on that text line. Uh, at 8 o'clock this morning, we're going to speak to Squiggly Line Guy. It's been a while. Guy Squigs. Everybody remember Squiggly? Squigs? Well, he listened to the debate between myself and Liberty Lockpod over the weekend on the Israel-Hamas situation. And he thinks that there was a clear winner in the debate. Of course, it was quite obvious. Usually the person who gets the most questions at the end is the debate winner. And who do you think got the most questions in the debate? Well, of course. I think I heard that Liberty Lockpod stuck around in that forum for like another two hours, coping no, and seething and freaking out. No, God, please, He called no, me a racist. No, Can you believe that? No. <laughs> I knew the no. debate was over as soon as you start flinging around words like that. It's funny because Islam isn't a race. And he did say a couple of times, you know, you're racist against Muslims, which is quite fascinating, of course, because Muslims aren't a race. Yikes. I talked about... Syria, Palestina, and Emperor Hadrian. I talked about Thomas Jefferson and the Barbary Wars and the pirates, two things of which he had absolutely no clue about. And he kept saying, I had no idea the history of the conflict. And all they could talk about was 1948. I mean, God, I had to go all the way back to, you know, the first violation of the non-aggression principle, Cain and Abel. Does anyone remember the story from the Bible? And explain this to my wife the other day, because she didn't know the story. The story of Cain and Abel, right? So Cain had, you know, first murderer, Right? Initiated force against his brother Abel. And we all remember that. Ah, yes. Drummer Goy says, yay, Squigs. Been on my friends list for years. Yes, yeah, Squigs is a good guy. We appreciate you. Steffi is enjoying the Halloween decor. Nice to see you, Steffi. How are you doing? Uh, Floby Tenderson says, this would be a good clip for the interwebs. Town, time to buy a defensive rifle, AR-15. Yes, it is. Absolutely. We're looking forward to it. We've got a great show for you today. Also, Matthew, actor Matthew Perry died in the weekend over what are not supposed to be all that mysterious circumstances. Uh, 
Apparently, he drowned in a hot tub uh, at 54 years old. And if we have time at the end of the show, since I am uh, what we call a geriatric millennial, I found a really good um, article over the weekend. This TikTok about being an aging millennial is an interesting observation about millennials getting older and how there isn't anything wrong with still wanting to keep up with things. So we're going to talk about aging millennials and keeping up with things as a young person. We look forward to that at the end of the show. Should be fun. Uh, but first, at the top of the show, let's take a look and see how how's our vice president doing these days? Is she doing okay? Let's let's hear from Kamala Harris um, how she answers a question about why her and Biden's popularity ratings are so. A recent low. CBS poll found that at the beginning of President Biden's term, seventy percent of young people, people under thirty, said he was doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Now it's less than fifty percent. Why is that? What's going on? If you poll how young people feel about the climate and the warming of our planet, it polls as one of their top concerns. When we talk about what we are doing with student loan debt, polls very high. Uh, the challenge that we have as an administration is we got to let people know who brung it to them. <laughs> That's our challenge. But it is not that the work we are doing is not very, very popular with a lot of people. A recent CBS poll. Ooh, boy, that's, uh, that's Vice President Harris. You know what? I got to give it up for the reporter. Uh, I thought that was actually pretty brave of him to actually ask a difficult question there. Why are your approval ratings so low? Well, it's not that our approval ratings are so low. It's that we support issues that young people support, and therefore they have to know that we support those issues too, and hopefully that means that they will like us more. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that, Chief. I don't know about that, Chief. What did you think about that answer? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Text the show today at 573-319-1586. Speaking of great clips, did you see that uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom traveled to China over the last week to meet with President Xi Jinping, apparently his hero? I I can't stop watching this clip, and I think I might play it a few times today. I know sometimes people get angry about that, but... Did you see him dunking on this little Chinese boy over there? Take a look at this. Oh, no. What just happened there? What happened? Oh. Let him get some spank. Dude, what is this? going to end up in a Chinese prison, bro? In a Chinese prison. <laughs> oh, give me that. Price is right, womp womp. Oh my God, that's hilarious. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, one more time. What, oh, somebody says one more time. Okay. Oh, here he goes. Oh, die, boy. A live look at what Gavin Newsom's policies actually. Uh, don't forget to click that like button and subscribe to the channel if you're tuning in right now for the first time today. You're joining the Wake Up America show. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. We got lots of great content for you today. Rioters made their way onto a uh, tarmac at Durka Durka Muhammad Jihad International Airport in Dagestan while shouting Allahu Akbar and raising the Palestinian flag near the plane. Take a look. There we go. That's, there right, yeah, right, yeah. I love seeing this, this right here. Take a look. Here you can see the, uh, the Muslim in their native habitat, right, sticking their head inside a jet engine. Do you see, are there any Jews in there? Hello, any Jews inside? 
Durka Durka, Muhammad Jihad. Here you are. Shame it wasn't on. What Yikes. Who wants to hear Durka Durka, Muhammad Jihad, Allahu Akbar at an airport? I can tell you that I don't, but a lynch mob showed up to this airport in Dagestan, Russia, to look for Jewish passengers after finding out that a plane from Tel Aviv is about to land. They also stopped police cars in front of the airport and have been searching them for Jews. Take a look at this. This is at an airport. I mean, how would they be able to tell that you were a Jew, right? Imagine if you were on the airport from Tel Aviv and you weren't a Jewish person. How would they? How would they? Breaking it out. Uh, can I ask my Anacos and Cap friends if there are any out there who haven't gone full blown retarded and are watching the show this morning, uh, knowing that AP does say a few good things from time to time? Uh, is that a nap violation? For those of you who are the nappers out there, um, would you say that at that point in time you could start unloading? I mean, it, you know, isn't this why we created like incendiary bombs and things that can kill more than just one person, like per shot? I mean, could we could we unload at this point with a machine gun, right? Or is there possible, you know, if you might hit an innocent bystander, or would you be allowed to defend yourself? Or for some of you who might out there who think that everybody could defend themselves but Jews, um, at this point, could even the Jews start firing back? I don't know. <laughs> The Jews are over there. Uh, yeah, there's uh, plenty of the, these kinds of clips. Here we are. peaceful religion it is yes thank you for pointing that out that out john yeah did did i get all the clips oh yeah i just i can't get over this clip of this guy with this muslim sticking his head inside a jet engine you know that's just just Gary stuff though i have to say let's see how ron DeSantis is performing this weekend when asked about the gun issue on meet the press take a look as people though because we are learning new details about what did and did not happen this is overnight law enforcement chiefs say they received a statewide alert in mid-september to be on the lookout for card after he made threats against his base against his fellow soldiers they searched for him they could not find him yet he was able to in the days before the attack walk into a store and buy 
guns. So if you can't find someone to institutionalize them, as you have called for, why shouldn't there be a final line of defense in the form of a red flag law or some other blaring red sign that says to gun sellers, don't allow this person to have a gun? Well, yeah, I don't think you would even need a red flag. If somebody has a, a mental a, involuntary commitment uh, and adjudication of, of that nature, uh, that usually would go into the system, and that would be on a traditional background check. I mean, uh, I, I believe in due process, so I don't believe in this idea you know, that the government can just take someone's property and then go through due process later. Uh, but what I do... Boom, that was actually a nice little jab there by Ron DeSantis, for those of you who are in the know. Now, most people have no clue what Ron DeSantis was saying. There was a jab towards former President Donald Trump, whose quote was, I like to take the guns first and then have due process later. Um, Now, in terms of when you're applying for a firearm, when you have to fill out your FFL form, if you've never purchased a firearm before, you have to answer a series of questions. And uh, I, I actually, this is the first time that I've heard that involuntary commitment is on there, but I may just be a little hazy on my facts on this one. I'd be curious if someone can uh, fact check that for us live. I would appreciate that. Send me a text at 573-319-1586. Let me know if that's one of the questions on the the federal background check uh, is if you've been involuntarily committed. It might be. I just filled one out a couple of weeks ago when I got um, a new gun. But uh, I can't remember if there's an involuntary commitment on that one. He was involuntarily committed. Uh, the the main killer was for a couple. You believe weeks. is convicted felons and people that are mentally uh, incompetent or mentally ill. I think that's been the law in pretty much every state and federally for quite some time. And um, and you know I believe in strong strong constitutional rights, but with that comes responsibility. And if you're somebody that that is not that can't conduct themselves in society because of mental illness, uh, then that absolutely should be taken into account. But if you can't conduct yourself in terms of mental illness, shouldn't there be A law in this case, officials in Maine are saying a red flag law could have made a difference. Well, here's the thing. Like if you're if you are too dangerous to own guns, why are you walking around in public? Right. So here's my my problem with the whole red flag law concept. One, it does violate due process, because if you haven't actually been convicted of a crime, then you should not be able to have your rights taken away. Now, if you commit a violent crime, you know, you should be in jail. But the thing is, is that. There's this question, of course, if after you've served your time in jail or if you after you've been involuntarily committed, for example, if you've served your time, right, is if you should have your rights restored. I think most libertarians agree that you should have your rights restored. But that is a serious question of contention. And when it comes to involuntarily involuntary commitment, that's another issue uh, that we have to ask. Why are if it's if you're too dangerous to own guns, why are you allowed to? be free. Why are you allowed to walk around amongst the general public? I mean, in theory, you must have done something that you could be committed for, but involuntarily, why did they let this guy go? They put it, they involuntarily commit him, committed him for two weeks. And then they, you know, he was on the FBI's radar, radar. And then he, you know, they're surveilling the rest of us that are surveilling the world, but they're not surveilling this guy, right? They're not watching every move that he makes, right? And I love it because, you know, the FBI, we're always hearing these, you know, threats of domestic terrorism, threats of white, the greatest threat that we face, right, from the Biden administration is domestic terrorism. But then they let this guy walk. They let this guy walk. They know who he is and they let him walk and then he kills. It, it's, it, just, it just goes to show 
that the priorities of our intelligence agencies and the priorities of our police agencies here in the United States are completely out of whack. And I think it's because, of course, they want to take their time and they want to engage in political persecution. They don't care about our safety. The government doesn't give a damn about our safety. They don't care about our safety. Mass shootings to them are a means to an end. So when mass shootings happen, that's good for the government. When people go out and have free speech outside of the Capitol on January 6th and do and commit no crimes other than give a speech outside of the Capitol, those are the people that they go and they persecute and they prosecute. Those are the people that they're spending their time surveilling, using police powers against, and and violating the rights of. Am I off base? Tell me if you think I'm wrong about this, or do I get a big ups? Maybe I'm crazy. Tell me, am I crazy? Do I need to be involuntarily committed for these views? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this one today. You can send us a text at 573-319-1586. We love getting text messages from our friends here on the Wake Up America show. And you can weigh in today with your thoughts at 573-319-1586. And of course, I'd love it if you're joining us here for the first time today that you subscribe to the channel. The Wake Up America show is live streamed every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. Uh, and uh, it'd be great if you joined us by clicking that subscribe button and click like. Uh, I like Katie556's comment. She says, uh, insert that Simpsons meme. Say the line, Bart, say the line. He was known to the FBI. Ooh. And Gregory R makes a really good point as well. He says, what about the bowling alley posting that patrons need to leave their guns in their vehicles. Bowling Alley has blood on their hands as well. Yes, absolutely, completely agree. And it's nice to meet you, Grigori. I think this is the first time we've seen you here. Glad to have you here. You also said all gun laws are repugnant to the Second Amendment. Hell yes, it is. Floby Tenderson says, filling a prescription for crazy pills should be the only pre-due process way to stop gun buying. Side effects often make people suicidal, and they often don't want to go down alone. Interesting POV on that one. Sign of Jonah says, remember the Crusades? That same mob got to Spain. Guess what happened? Yeah, Christians got smeared for hundreds of years for stopping that exact same thing. What do you think about that? Do you agree with our buddy there? Send us a text at 573-319-1586. We've got lots of great content for you today. Americans are stuck in Gaza. They say, are we U.S. citizens or not? Ramped up Israeli bombing jeopardizes efforts to evacuate American citizens stranded in Gaza since Israel responded militarily to Hamas's October 7th attacks. I posted a question this morning, a poll over on my Twitter account, at AP4Liberty, and the question was like this. Uh, the question says, uh, and I, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts about this as well, um, but if you, had, if you and your family were taken hostage in a foreign land, say France, right, uh, by Islamic terrorists, say they've got you under lock and key, would you want the US military to rescue you? That's the question of the day. If you and your family were taken hostage in a foreign land by Islamic terrorists, would you want the US military to rescue you? Now, of course, Islamic terrorists, they rarely take hostages. Usually they just commit acts of wanton murder, but if you remember, like, for example, the Charlie Hebdo attacks in France, there are Islamic terrorists in Western nations who commit these kinds of attacks. And in the Charlie Hebdo attacks, they weren't really taking prisoners so much as just committing mass executions. But in this situation with the conflict currently embroiled in between Israel and Hamas, Hamas has American prisoners. And the question, of course, is, 
you know, is it big government intervention if the United States goes in to free its own citizens? I think that's a real question. And I think that's a real problem and a challenge, especially for the pure non-interventionists is, you know, if you have your tax dollars stolen from you to pay for SEAL Team 6, well, hot damn, I'd like to see me some SEAL Team 6. And people who said, and people did say and actually vote no, I don't want to, I don't want the U.S. military to rescue me because I think they would bomb me and they would kill me. Yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, and someone said, why would I be in a foreign land that has Islamic terrorists and in a position to be kidnapped in the first place? Well, because you're not a broke bitch and you like to travel, right? Like not everybody, I know most people, they are born in one location, especially in the United States. You're born in one location and you never travel more than 50 miles away uh, for most of your life. And that's fine. But for the rest of the the rest of us, we like culture. We like to travel. We like to see the world. Took my wife to Japan earlier. We've, we'd love to go to Germany. Are there Islamic terrorists in Germany? You goddamn right there are, especially with all of the immigration that's been going on, the mass immigration over the last several years. But I have to say that I think that if me or my family were kidnapped by Islamic terrorists and the U.S. military kicked down the door, I wouldn't be like, no, I think I'm going to stay. No, the, the shawarma is really good here. I actually saw somebody make that argument. No, I just, this is, yeah, that's what Will Nemo posted on Twitter. Nah, I think I'd just grab a few shawarmas and try and talk our way out. <laughs> Ooh, cringe. Is just me or is the libertarian movement more cringe than it's ever been? It certainly, it certainly seems to be. Uh, but thankfully, there are a few good, lovely lights that join us here on the Wake Up America show. We've got John Miltimore, who's going to be joining us here in just about five minutes to talk about businesses in the United States are fleeing the coast. Coast to coast, the ghost for the most. John Miltimore, editor at large, to talk about why businesses are fleeing the coast. I think you know why. And we'll talk about buying millennials, or excuse, excuse me, buying boomers and selling millennials. When we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning, Rise and Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. Glad to have you here. Click that like button. Subscribe to the channel. We want you to come back and join us every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time on the Wake Up America Show. I know you guys are really excited for 8 a.m. when Squiggly Line Guy joins us. We're going to take a little bit of a victory lap from the debate this weekend. I know you guys are eager on that, but just sit back and relax because normies like to have conversations about normal stuff, stuff that actually matters. I know that people will actually care about and talk about over the dinner table, which is things like why businesses are fleeing the coast, coast to coast, the ghost with the most. They say no mo to the coast. They wanna come into the Midwest. They wanna bring their businesses out here. Why? Because of a little thing we like to call federalism. Tax competition in the United States means that more businesses are saying, Hell no to New Jersey, New York, California, and they want to bring their businesses here to these small towns to help us to prop up the economy. You'll love to see it. Joining us now to discuss these economic topics is the editor at large at the Foundation for Economic Education, John Miltimore. He's joining us live right now. How you doing, John? I'm doing good. How about yourself, AP? Good, brother. Nice to see you here. We appreciate you very much for joining us. So a little bit of tax competition, federalism. You love to see it, right? Oh, you do. You know, I, I've been writing about this for a long time. Um, and it, it's one of the, the, the few reasons I'm optimistic about the future. Like, there's a lot of things you look at and you say the future looks pretty dark in a lot of different ways. Um, this could be our saving grace. And, and, you know, I, I, I wrote something earlier in this year. I called it, you know, America's Atlas Shrugged Moment. 
because we got great data back from the IRS that shows, you know, j- just this mass exodus of people from the states you mentioned, including some though, like Illinois, these other dysfunctional states. And it, it's not just the population leave. Okay. It's it's the wealth creator. It's it's the people that 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 are the most important and vital in the economy, the people that create create all these jobs and wealth. Um, and they're taking, you know, they're taking leave and they're taking their wealth with them. And, um, you know, this has been happening for a long time. It really started pick, picking up in, in 2021, um, maybe, you know, a little bit in 2020. Um, and yeah, the, the benefits are states like Texas and Florida. Um, you're going to see states like South Dakota continue to grow even faster. Um, and it's, we should be excited about that. We should be happy about that. This is, this is competition between states. And and businesses that want to thrive are going to be leaving the dysfunctional states behind, the ones with these ha- high taxes. And it's not just high taxes, you know, like, like regulation is, is another part. But don't forget, too, like y- y- we saw certain CEOs come out and say, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to be here. It's too violent, right? Like, like some of these places are becoming dysfunctional in the sense that you don't feel safe. Um, and, it, it, you know, we had good data come out from New York. New York lost about half a million people last year. Um, and, and so this is a big deal. Um, it's going to be a, a big mass migration of people. Um, and it's going to take not, you know, one or two years. It's going to happen over the next five or 10 years. But uh, overall, I think it's very important. And it's going to hold some of these states accountable, like, you know, especially the Californias and New York's, and New Jersey's and so on. No, for sure. I mean, they like to kill the goose that lays the golden eggs here. I'm looking at the bottom 10 states in terms of taxes. Rhode Island, Hawaii, Vermont, Minnesota, Maryland, Massachusetts, Connecticut, California, New York, and New Jersey. Um, The ranking gives a higher negative weight to income and sales taxes, and they have a penalty for states that have complex tax codes. The top 10 states when it came to businesses and, and taxation, Wyoming, South Dakota, Alaska, Florida, which I think we should focus on here for a moment, Montana, New Hampshire, Nevada, Utah, North Carolina, and Indiana. Boy, those New Hampshireans, man, they love to they love to brag about how awesome their taxes are there. And damn it all if they don't actually have a pretty good uh, argument. But I think it's interesting here when we look at Florida, because a lot of times people say, oh, well, the higher population your state is, like the more likely it is that you're going to have to have like higher taxes and things like that. But Florida kind of, they managed to keep their taxes on businesses and sales t- close to the, n- the national average, and they have no individual income tax. How can, can we export this model to the rest of the country? Make America Florida again. I mean, they it feels like they're kind of the ones doing it the best. I mean, yeah, you look, you look Florida, you look Texas, um, and, and, and that's where these, these you know, companies that have IPO'd are going. Um, you have all these publicly traded companies, um, and there was, you know, there's a list of them out there. You can look at them, like all these, like like some of them are ones, you know, if you own comp- stock of these companies, you watch them, you're like, oh, Snowflake, I know them. Like, and they went and said goodbye to California, went out to, I don't know if it was Montana or Idaho or what, um, but the, but they're leaving. And, and, and Texas and Florida have are, are reaping the words of that, but a lot of other states are too. And yeah, this idea that the bigger the state you are, you, know, you need more public infrastructure. It's really nonsense. And that's the real, that, that's the frustrating part about all this. Um, it's one thing to be kind of you know have to lose your income, right? Whether I, I, I'm not talking about just businesses, even individuals, right? Like like you see you see what, what you have to pay, um, and it, it's 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 maddening 
And if you if you look in the Bible, it's funny because you know we were reading a Bible story with my kids, and um, the, you know the, the Israelites wanted a king, and and Samuel kept t- telling them no, no. And one of the things they said is, like, oh, they're going to take ten percent of everything you do, of all your cat, you know, your, your your livestock and everything. I'm like, I would be happy to pay ten percent, right? We're paying way, way above that, and you know, we're paying the the federal level, then the states getting their cut, and then you're paying all these other taxes, and then yes, what is it actually doing? It's it's causing more harm. If you look at what they're doing with this money, it's nothing that benefits us. People are like, oh, you know, public infrastructure that we need, very, very little of it's even useful. It's being used against us, and it's very frustrating. Um, and and it's it's great to see some states are just rejecting that model. And the ones that aren't that are that are paying the price, it's going to be harder and harder for them to keep doing that in the future. Well, that's interesting stuff. If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. I'm speaking to John Miltimore. He's an editor at large at the Foundation for Economic Education. We're talking about fleeing the coast in regards to businesses. We're fleeing high tax states and heading to states where they've got a little bit friendlier business climb. Differences among states are driving businesses to pack up. Nearly 150 publicly traded companies moved their HQs across state lines in 2022. That's the highest rate in the past six years. Top destinations, Florida, Texas, Arizona, and Utah. The most fled states include New York and California, plus the lower tax outlier of Washington State, which still lacks an income tax but has imposed a 7% tax rate on capital gains. And that's actually going to the Supreme Court because they think that that rate is so high, the Supreme Court may actually rule that as unconstitutional, John. Well, uh, I'll, we'll, we'll wait and see on that. I, I, it's hard to tell what this court's going to do. They're, they're kind of all over the place. Um, but yeah, like even, yeah, you look at Washington State, it, it's, it's another great example. Sure, you might get off on the income tax, but yeah, paying that kind of capital gains rate is is obscene. Um, and, and I'll just go back to it. That what they're doing with this money is not even helpful. They're, they're, they're making things worse. We, we don't need this. Um, you know, but there's this fiction that, that, that oh, we're, we're, we're doing great things with this wealth. We're, we're redistributing it in ways we're helping the poor. We're doing all, all these things. The, the little of that's done. Um, and I, I think if you look why things are so bad in so many places, um, a lot of it is because of, of, of the, the state spending um, all the disincentives, you know, for work, and you you, you actually enable people um, to get by with just barely get by without actually work working. And um, I, I always said it's a different. There's a fundamental difference between like I think capitalists and Marxists on this front. And Marxists work. They, they look at work and they think it's bad, right? They they think oh it's exploitative. Um, to me, if you're if you're removing the need for people to work, that's bad. It's corrosive to the soul. And we see that people turn into alcoholics and drug addicts and um, th- this safety net has not done any good. And if you look at it, like, like it, go away from states for, for just a moment and look back at the federal level, when we, when we declared war on poverty um, in the 60s, poverty rate has not budged. And if you look two decades before that, that, you can see it on graphs, poverty had been falling and falling and falling. Then we declared war on it with the federal government and the, po- the, the poverty rate has not changed. Um, and, and so this idea that we're, we're, we're doing all these wonderful things with these tax dollars, I think it's pure fiction. For sure. Uh, Well, speaking about um, uh, being poor, uh, I'm reading this article from Fortune magazine over the weekend. It's making me laugh, but also cry. Baby boomers are flush with high interest rates fattening their savings accounts. Young Americans, well, we're struggling with debts, sky high rents and mortgage rates that are putting homeownership further out of reach. 
That's driving a new trade recommendation from Bank of America Corp. And one, this is one that's aimed at exploiting the widening generational wealth gap. Go long on old people stocks. Avoid those whose fortunes ride on cash-strapped millennials. John, sad, but, you know, it's kind of like it reminds me of that, um, you know, Maxim Lot has that election betting odds where you can um, see how, like, what the, the chances of a politician are based on people who are actually betting their real money on which of the candidates is going to win. And those odds tend to be much better than typical polls. Because people usually, when they bet their own money, they're going to be a lot more careful with things like that. So when you see Bank of America saying, when if you're going to make an investment strategy, bet on the olds. Don't bet on the, the, the youngs because they don't have any money and it doesn't look like they're going to have any money anytime soon. Honestly, kind of scary, John. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. First off, betting markets are much better indicators. Um, I think there's a certain logic in what Bank of America is saying, you know, you know, put aside the economic climate for just a moment. Baby boomers have half the wealth in this country. You know, like like fifty to fifty three percent of all the wealth is 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 held by boomers. And and before people get all angry about that, that that's not that odd, right? When you have people that have worked all their lives and they saved all their lives, they've built up wealth over time. So so they have a lot to begin with. Um, and I do think there's a certain logic there. The the, the old people stocks logic. When you look at it, they're not as cash strapped. For old people, this economic climate is like, yeah, you know, sure, the, the stock market's down a little, but they're getting the, these great savings rate again. And, and old people love j just putting their money in and and, and put it in savings, right? They're they're not at this really aggressive investors. Um, if they can get these good rates on CDs, you know, like they're seeing higher interest on CDs than they've seen in, in decades. Um, so so there is something. They are a lot less cash strapped. They're going to be spending a little bit more. Again, it comes back to that: Are they going to be spending more? Um, old people are also stingy. Don't forget that they might even be good, but they're all they're all thinking about the next hip that goes out on them. Um, so I, I wouldn't go, you know, rushing in in, in the old people stocks just yet. Um, it's a strategy to think about. Um, but uh, but I think there is truth in the idea that they're not feeling the economic pinch like some of these other generations, especially especially I think probably millennials right now. So here's the thing: like when it comes to the question of the wealth gap, right? The gap, the the gap between the rich and the poor in the United States. That's that's a difficult uh, conversation to have because the question has to be asked: What is causing the wealth gap? Uh, obviously, I think that the consensus among most people who are economically illiterate, which is most people, is going to be, of course, well, it's because we don't have enough socialism. We're not redistributing wealth enough. We don't have a high enough taxes to force people to redistribute their wealth, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And some of us who are old enough to remember Margaret Thatcher got into a really nice debate about this where she says socialism, well, socialists would rather have the poor get poorer than the rich get richer. They would like the gap to be like that instead of like that. Right. And she does this. This It was a great explanation. I mean, she absolutely killed it. But it, here in the United States, my concern is that we do have a wealth gap, but the cause of the wealth gap in the United States is because of the redistributional po policies. It's because they shut down small mom and pop businesses during the pandemic, and they left open Walmarts and Amazons. And, and it's because of the taxes that are actually redistributing wealth, but not from the, the wealthy to the poor and middle class, but it's our wealth going up. Yeah, like, like I, you know, I'll go back to what I said for a minute. There is there is wealth gap. Some of that is just generation. You have people that work forty five years; they're going to have more wealth. Um, but but there is there 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 is a lot of other stuff at play here. And and you know, m millennials have a point 
um you know they they were trying to 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 build you know they, they came into the economy back in 2008 they went through all this uh you know 2000 but the, the the wrong lesson from that is that oh capitalism has failed us um all of that was caused by by you know federal intervention it was by by, by the central banks um in both instances you can blame the central bank i think because in 2000 there's no way we shut down the economy if the central bank can't just flood us money you know if we can't print three trillion dollars over 18 months you're not going to have that and then that's what happened so so you know millennials have a point they, they've had kind of some rough roads you know but i will say look at history hey a lot of these people you know, but whether it was boomers or go back further you know they were they had they had world war one they had world war two you had vietnam you had all these all these hiccups um th this is life right and, and and sometimes you're dealt some lemons um and and what, what inequality and wealth is not bad i i guess i'll say that generational wealth inequality is is not on its face bad um the worst thing we can do is try to correct that and say boy these guys have really got a raw deal um what can we do to, to make it better um you, you're gonna have people that try to empathize with them and and, and offer solutions and things um not going to be helpful um the, the the best thing millennials can do is kind of wake up and realize um that that the federal government has done a great disservice to them that the central banks have been screwing them for years um that this idea that we're going to just keep printing money um and expanding you know the the money supply is not going to have repercussions that's insane um and you know like there, there's a wake-up call even jerome powell is now kind of talking about whoa whoa we need to get a control on this i don't know where that came from i haven't heard jerome powell talk about that you know the, the federal reserve chair i i haven't heard him say anything like that in years and now he's talking about it um need to wake up we, we can't we're going to go the, the way of every other civilization that that got happy with fiat money um and it ended up you know causing mass inflation we've gotten just a little taste of that um we have a chance to correct course um, but but in the meantime, I'll go back to the short term. We're going to have these higher interest rates for a while. Prepare for them and invest in accordingly. There you go. Buy boomers, sell millennials. <laughs> John Miltimore, he's an editor at large at the Foundation for Economic Education. We call this Mondays with Miltimore, and we love his contributions here every Monday. John, anything else you'd like to share or plug before we let you go? Yeah, just check out my my uh, Substack. It's the Take, um, and check out all our content on fee.org. F-E-E.org. Thank you very much, John Miltimer, joining us right now. We appreciate that. The 300 people who are joining us right now would as well. Don't forget to click that like button and follow John Miltimer. Thanks, John. We'll see you next Monday. Hey, CAP, have a great week. Thanks very much. We appreciate John Miltimer. He's the best. What do you think? Hey, by the way, have you had a chance to check out my Founding Flavors coffee? It's the most delicious coffee in the world. You don't want to miss Founding Flavors over at apforlibertyshop.com. We've got delicious Founding, Founding Fathers-themed coffees available for sale at ap4libertyshop.com. That's AP, the number four, ap4libertyshop.com. My favorite is Thomas's Painkiller, the Colombian single origin. You can get them ground or whole bean. And we have been getting messages from customers who are asking us, hey, um, how can we get it in K-Cups? Well, K-Cups will be coming soon. We don't have them just yet. However, if you want some Founding Flavors coffee now, we have some very, very inexpensive, we make no profit on these, the little refillable K-Cups at ap4libertyshop.com. So if you go to ap4libertyshop.com and you visit the Founding Flavors coffee page, scroll down, you should see the refillable K-Cups. And that's a great way to help, you know, reduce waste anyway. Uh, and if you are using K-Cups, then uh, if you'd like to be able to enjoy our coffee, 
Um, uh, however, we will be having those at some point in the future. Some people had asked us. So check it out at AP, the number four, AP4LibertyShop.com. Get yourself some Rise from the Dead and get yourself some uh, Founding Flavors coffee. We appreciate you guys for joining us. And don't forget, too, we also have, as well as coffees, we've got Don't Tread on Me shirts. Get yourself some zombie hand. Grab yourself a Don't Tread on Me shirt or a phone case. All your awesome liberty-loving merchandise at AP, the number four, AP, for Liberty Shop. Dot com. All right, great. Let's get to this little clip. Remember me talking about Margaret Thatcher talking, you know, taking socialists to the woodshed? Take a listen. The Honourable Gentleman, there is no doubt that the Prime Minister has in many ways achieved substantial success. There is one statistic that I understand is not, however, challenging, and that is that over her 11 years, the gap between the richest 10% and the poorest 10% in this country has widened substantially. How can she say at the end of her chapter of British politics that she can justify many people in a constituency such as mine being relatively much poorer, much less well housed, and much less well provided than it was in 1979? Surely she accepts that is not a record that she or any Prime Minister can be proud of. Mr Speaker, all levels of income are better off than they were in 1979. But what the Honourable Member is saying is that he would rather the poor were poorer, provided the rich were less rich. That way you will never create the wealth for better social services as we have. And what a policy. Yes, he would rather have the poor poorer, provided the rich were less rich. That is a liberal policy. Yes, it came out. He didn't intend it to, but he did. I give way to the, the Honourable Gentleman. I'm extremely, I'm extremely grateful. The, the, the Prime Minister is aware that uh, I detest every single one of her domestic policies and have never had that. And I think that the Honourable Gentleman knows that I have the same contempt for his socialist policies as the people of East Europe who have experienced it have it for that. have hit the right nail on the head when I pointed out that the logic of those policies are they'd rather have the poor poorer. Once they start to talk about the gap, they'd rather the gap was that. <laughs> Down here. That. Not that. But that. So long as the gap is smaller, so long as the gap is smaller, They'd rather have the poor poorer. You do not create wealth and opportunity that way. You do not create a property-owning democracy that way. Uh, Thatcher, the socialists would rather the poor get poorer than the rich to get richer. They didn't know that that's what they were saying, but they did. You gotta love you. You gotta love it. Maggie Thatcher. Yes, give it up. What do you think of the Wake Up America show? If you click like, we we would greatly appreciate appreciate it. <laughs> click like. I'm gonna try to do my Margaret Thatcher. Uh, Margaret Margaret Thatcher was fire. Yes, she absolutely was. Socialism. Eventually, they will run out of other people's money. Says Katie five five six. Hell yes, Maggie kicked ass. She was a hell of a fighter. 
Yet why does the UK hate her? JJ, it's a great question. We will never understand it. Boo to them. Maggie Thatcher was a very good prime minister. We miss those days. If you like the show, click like. I mean, what other talk shows are going to talk about the breaking news items like we did with John Miltimore, the economy, the things that matter to you, and then they're going to whip out a Margaret Thatcher clip to play right after that. You just, you can't get this content anywhere else. You know it's true. So subscribe to the channel if you're not already. We'd love to have you come back and join us here on the Wake Up America show every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. All right, well, there was a debate that was held over the weekend. Maybe you missed it because, well, you have a life. But I committed to a debate with the gentleman that calls himself Liberty Lockpod over the weekend. He was mad. He got really mad. It was the Israel versus Hamas conflict. And he said that I was racist against Muslims. Racist against Muslims, racist against Muslims, huh? Racist against Muslims. That's a fascinating accusation. One, it sounded very much like leftist. And two, I think he forgot, well, Islam isn't a race. Uh, well, Jews aren't a race either. But for some reason, people really, really, really want to say Jews are a race. But <laughs> those typically are the people that want to put them in camps. So we're going to have a conversation. We're going to have a nice little victory lap because, of course, AP won the debate. <laughs> When the opponent has to stoop to calling you a racist, and when all of the questions after the debate were aimed at me, AP, I think it's pretty clear that I won the debate. But there's another one happening this Thursday between myself and comedian Dave Smith. Should be a good one. Same topic, but Dave wants a piece of me. Everybody wants a piece of AP. You and me, it's, there's plenty enough of me to go around. Uh, so don't forget to click like and subscribe to the channel so that way you can come back and join us. When you hear Friday, because Freedom Family Friday, we'll get to respond to the debate. We'll get to hear my lovely wife who joins us. We've got great topics, great guests, and of course, we have the absolute best host, the Wake Up America show host. All right, I'm going to go to a very brief commercial break. When we get back, Squiggly Line Guy. We haven't heard from him in a, from him in a while. He's going to come back and join us with his take on the debate. And he is a fan of Clint Russell, Liberty Lock Pod, but he thinks he took an L. When we get back on the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning, Horizon Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. Glad you're here bright and early. Thanks for joining us live. And if you are here with us live and not just listening later to the audio podcast, do us a favor, will you? Click that like button and subscribe to the channel. A lot of people tune in and they're getting their kids ready for school and they're busy people. And they're like, oh, I want to hear that show again. But they forgot to subscribe and they didn't remember that I'm AP for Liberty over on Rumble. So if you click that subscribe button, you won't have that problem. We stream live every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time here on the show. It's a great way to start your day. Drink a cup of Founding Flavors coffee and hear all the news that you can use. Every once in a while, though, I like to talk about things that, eh, you know, are of interest, maybe just to libertarians. But if you are interested in the conflict between Israel and Hamas, then perhaps this next topic might be interesting to you as well. Over the weekend, I was involved in a debate that was conducted by the redheaded libertarian girl between myself and at Liberty Lock Pod on Twitter on this conflict between Israel and Hamas. Well, things got heated and, well, your boy got called a racist, which is kind of weird because usually we hear that from leftists, but have libertarians gone left when it comes to foreign policy? Maybe we need to have two movements, a libertarian movement and a libertarian movement. I don't know. Let's hear from Guy Squiggs, who I think was a fan of Clint Russell, Liberty Lockpod before this, but now he's blocked on Twitter. What the hell? Maybe we ought to call him lockdown. Good morning, Squigs. What's up? 
Hey, good morning, Austin. How are you doing? Doing good. Um, so I guess we had the debate. Uh, I thought I won, but that's usually, be, you know, when somebody calls you a racist and uh, I usually see that as evidence of victory, but I don't know. Let me get your take and try and be as objective as you can, Squigs. Yeah, I mean, I thought you won and, and even people that were on, you know, Clint's side of it thought you won as well. Um, you know, even, you know, you had some people that were, you know, keeping like a debate score and like even seated that you won and stated that they lost money. Um, but uh, so and, and it wasn't even so much that it uh, of a question of like poor performance, um, you know, that that wasn't the cause. That was the symptom. The actual cause was actually poor behavior. Um, you know, Clint was, I, you know, he approached the whole debate, um, you know, very, very high tension. Like you could tell, you know, even in his in his intro that, you know, his voice was quivering, um, you know, so his tensions were really high. Uh, and, you know, this is probably a topic that, you know, he's very passionate about, um, but he just did not conduct himself well. Yeah, no, I mean, debate conduct, it's difficult because I could feel the passion swirling within me as well. And, and debate is is something that, you know, I've got a lot of experience with, right? I've been doing this for a long time. So it's something that I'm good at. So I'm I'm better at, at conducting myself in such a way. But I also thought that really his arguments relied on a lot of logical fallacies and they didn't seem to quite make much sense. And then when he accused me of being a racist against Muslims, I thought to myself, okay, well, we're, what we're really de dealing with here is an intellectual lightweight. I mean, am I being overly harsh? No, um, I mean, he was using a lot of the same, you know, appeals to emotion that he would rightfully use, you know, or that he would rightfully reject, you know, when like Shannon Watts, you know, uses those same arguments in favor of gun control. Um, you know, you know, think of the dead babies, think of the dead children. Right. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, he would rightfully reject those in the terms of gun control when he actually has something to lose, uh, you know, but then he would turn around and, and use those same arguments, you know, here when it's, when it's a subject that he's passionate about. And I think the whole, you know, like the whole, um, breakdown of the debate, the whole sticking point, I think really was a question of, um, at what point does a, a response become so excessive that it's no longer justifiable and somewhere between two poles of no response and nuking every square foot of earth from orbit somewhere in between those two poles you know granted you know you do have people that sit on both of those poles but most of us draw a line somewhere there in, in between those you know two things um you know draw that line very very early uh you know i myself you know would would go quite a bit further i actually would not draw that line yet granted that you know hamas is still holding you know over 200 people hostage um you know for me that line you know becomes fluid where it's like you know if, if hamas were to release those people then i would say okay maybe we can start drawing that line and we can start de-escalating but you also have people that would go further than that that want to see the complete you know destruction of hamas themselves you have people that would go you know further than that and would want to see, you know, Israel take over Gaza completely. So it's just a question of, of, of where do you draw that line? Uh, and, you know, Clint draws that line very early and seems to take exception that people walk past that line. Mm. Well, I hesitate to presume, although I will presume this morning, that although the rhetoric that seems to be coming out of many of these quote-unquote anti-war libertarians seems to be a moral justification of both sidesism and a uh, moral equivocation between the two sides, as if, you know, they're sort of holding themselves above, you know, making judgment because 
they're both equally bad or, or something like that. Yeah. In reality, and I'm making a presumption here, in reality, I actually think they are siding with the terrorists. Am I being unreasonable in making that kind of assumption, presumption, at least from what it seems from what I'm hearing from a lot of these so-called anti-war people? They seem to be picking sides. I mean, I see some of them like Daniel McAdams, for example, he sides with Putin openly, right? Many of them haven't gone as far as that, but Am I wrong to presume that there are a lot of quote unquote ANCAPs that seem to think that that what Hamas did was justified? Yeah, and you know, um, I, I think you know it's it's really easy to, to to just you know sit back and throw rocks at both sides and say you know everything is equally bad, um, and you know a lot of those you know same people you know seem to think that the response should be equal then or less to but not greater than. Uh, where I say that, you know, a response should not only be greater than, but significantly greater than, because that's part of finding out, um, you know, that's, that's how, that, that, that's how you learn. Um, but, you know, but, but to say that, like the response should be equal or less than, you know, ultimately, you know, is giving credence, you know, to the aggressor, you know, to Hamas. Um, so, so I think it, it does actually lend itself, uh, you know, in favor, you know, of, of the side of terrorism. I didn't listen to the um, the after hours after debate. I guess Clint stuck around for what you called a, a coping or a seething session, if you will, for two hours a, after debate. Yeah, it was uh, a seething session. Um, you know, he he, you know, pretty much, you know, I mean, you know, he was he was still, you know, slinging mud on your name every chance that he got. Um, you know, he was he was obviously upset with with the debate itself um, and you know his performance. Yeah, but it it definitely was. You know, seething, you know, throughout, you know, the rest of the Q&A and then even, you know, blocking people, you know, that said that he lost that debate. Including um, you. you know, the, yeah. Yeah. Including me. So, you know, the the, the seething is still going. Um, so but but that is what it is. Um, you know, it's it's really interesting because, you know, I've I've seen, you know, quite a bit, you know, of, of Clint show, you know, Liberty Lockdown. Um, you know, like, you know, there was one episode he did where he had Adam Kokesh on and Clint was like the reasonable um, was was the reasonable person and well-spoken person where, you know, Adam Kokesh was like psychobabbling. Uh, but this was like, you know, like a complete role reversal for Clint, you know, in that where, you know, yeah, yeah. Clint just, you know, came into this, um, you know, without a clear head, you know, without good game. Um, and it was it was just a psychobabble. You think that he just didn't have any idea what he was walking into or? You know, um, I, um, I don't know whether, you know, he, you know, because I, I saw, you know, when he was on your show uh, um, on this segment, you know, the other, you know, about a week ago where he was on this, this segment for about 15 minutes. And, you know, he seemed, you know, pretty, pretty well measured, you know, when he was on the show here. Um, but, you know, just under, you know, an actual, you know, larger format. Yeah, he, he just completely lost it. I wonder, maybe it was just the format. If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. We're glad and grateful to have you here. Click that like button, subscribe to the channel. We'd love to have you come back and join us every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. All right. Well, so Clint is uh, Clint. The debate is done. I, I I normally try and avoid like fights with libertarians. Like it's ever since I left the LP, I mostly just try and focus on my own stuff. And I usually only do topics on this show that most that matter to most people and try and like help them see them through a libertarian lens. But ever since this Israel-Hamas conflict has broken out, 
Right? I have been, you know, accosted from all angles from libertarians who think, and, and some of them call me an interventionist warmonger. I've never called for the United States to intervene uh, or for us right. to send our taxpayer dollars over there. But there does seem to be this sort of, and again, I'm using this mostly descriptively, not pejoratively. There does seem to be this retardation in the libertarian movement on the foreign policy issue. And I'm, it seems as if everybody has sort of outsourced their thinking on foreign policy to like one or two people, which if then that one person makes a mistake, it gets compounded out amongst the liberty movement. Mm -hmm. are, you see, are you seeing this too? I mean, there, there seems to be a complete and utter and blatant, not only non-realist view when it comes to foreign policy, but in some cases actively rooting for our enemies. You know, I think um, this is, I think foreign policy is the libertarians uh, trust the science moment. Um, you know, like, you know, during during COVID, you know, all of the people that went along, you know, with the lockdowns and all of that, it was just trust the science, trust the science. Everybody outsourced, you know, their thinking to, you know, what whatever the narrative was from, you know, the CDC. Um, but, you know, libertarians share that same aspect, you know, when it comes to foreign policy. Um, yeah, they they, you know, they they really do outsource, you know, their thinking you know, where they where they lack, you know, experience or knowledge or or something may just be too complex for them. Um, you know, whereas, you know, libertarians, you know, are are largely, you know, you know, are are much more, you know, economically based. You know, we're we were very, very able to see, you know, the the forthcoming consequences of lockdowns, um, you know, and all of that. But like when it comes to foreign policy, um, that's just, you know, too much to think about. And, you know, and that's just where, you know, the, the both sides are bad thing. Uh, you know, people tend to, you know, fall back to that. Yeah, for sure. That's a really good way of putting it there, Squigs. Give it up for Squigs. Somniferum agrees. He says, yeah, that's an excellent way of putting it. It is very much a kind of trust the science moment. We have, I mean, Scott Horton very much fills that Anthony Fauci role in the liberty movement, doesn't he? Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, it, it, it's sad to see because... Uh, I, unfortunately, what I what I really think that has happened too is that the libertarians have sort of bought into leftist narratives when it comes to foreign policy. And when when I say that, um, you know, I, a big word that people like to use is they call it presentism, for example, or I call it a moral time machine, right? Or they look at things that happened through the past uh, in the past with our current moral climate, and then make decisions and judgments about those people or those decisions that were made based on our current moral situation, and none so much right. as right? The, the situation, the conflict between Israel and Hamas. And, and that's really why I, I try and look at things from a, a macro perspective versus a micro perspective, because I think bigger picture probably makes a more compelling argument for one side or another. But then you have libertarians kind of buying into critical theory in the sense that they look at this through the same lens that leftists like Rashida Tlaib look at the foreign policy issue, because they see this as an oppressor versus oppressed. They see the Israelis as evil oppressors and the Palestinian as the Palestinians as the oppressed. I mean, that's that's pure critical theory right there. I mean, have libertarians gone woke? You know, um, yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, like the, the whole idea of like that moral time machine where, you know, people, you know, you know, say, you know, like, yeah, you know, if I, you know, were a product of my environment in the South during the Civil War, I totally, I totally would have stood against slavery and all that, right? Yeah. Um, no, you know, I, I think, you know, people would have been, you know, a product of their environment, you know, in the time that they were in, um, and they wouldn't be looking at things through today's lens, 
like they feel like that they would. Um, and, you know, especially with something as complicated, you know, as, you know, the Israel and Gaza, you know, dynamic, people tend to just kind of like drop the pin on the moment, you know, in history that that best uh, that that best best fits their conclusion and say that's where history started. Um, you know, and, and so and Clint did that, right? He was, he was saying, yeah. oh, let's go about goes, this all goes back to 1948. And I was kind of like, well, we're, you know, what about Emperor Hadrian and Syria, Palestina, right? Well, the land was called Judea before that. I mean, you know, we could right. go all the way back, like I mentioned to, you know, Cain and Abel, <laughs> you know, you could yeah. go back to Father Abraham or, uh, it, and I, I love it. It's hilarious because I brought up the whole, you know, he's like, he says, Austin doesn't know anything about this. But I brought up the fact that the Israelis in the late 1800s, one, bought the land, and two, homesteaded it. He called it quasi-libertarian. I'm going to drop an F-bomb here, but I mean, to me, that's libertarian as fuck. I mean, there's really nothing more libertarian in terms of property rights than outright purchase or homesteading. He had to give me that point, despite the fact he thinks I know nothing about it. I mean, at, at this point in time, if you're a libertarian... That's a property rights argument that is, in my opinion, unassailable. Right. You know, and and then, yeah, I mean, that I mean, that is like you know, the, the property rights, you know, perspective on that, you know, is is really a, a solid point. Um, and, you know, I mean, the, 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 this whole, you know, argument, you know, over um, over the land and, you know, over whether or not there should be a two state solution, there really can't be a two state solution, you know, because they all claim the same the same holy land, you know, and, and this is a, a very, a very dogmatic, um, a, a very dogmatic disagreement between them. And it's, and it's not something that can be divided up into a two state solution, unfortunately. Um, I so I, th- I thought, I, I thought I, I made another good point too, when I, when I asked him if he was an anarchist and then if, and then why he believes in a two state solution, he's literally advocating for the use of force of violence by the Palestinian authorities against the Palestinian people, which I find very non-anarchistic of him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that is an interesting solution <laughs> for, for an anarchist, for sure. No, for sure. But I mean, you know, it's if it made any sense, then, you know, perhaps more people will be into it, but it doesn't seem to make any sense. And, and again, I think that, you know, a lot of the hostility that is directed at me over this issue lies, one, in ignorance, and two, and a desire to be like king of the the retards, you know, like the tallest midget contest, if you will. Uh, and, and, you know, a desire for infighting. And I just happen to be a, a juicy target because I'm willing to openly disagree with what we might call the consensus or, you know, the Anthony Fauci's of the libertarian movement in such a way. But I mean, it really does show like how sad it is. It does seem as if the libertarian movement has degenerated to, I mean, shrunk to the size of a corn cob, you might say. Am I wrong? No, no, you're not wrong. Um, you know, I mean, it's the, the libertarian movement uh, has always kind of been a, a self-devouring movement, um, you know, but but it's, you know, very, very much devoured itself to the point of, of, of diminishment. Um, yeah, it's it's just not a serious player. Unfortunately, uh, Squigs, were there any other key takeaways from the debate that you thought were worthy of note or worthy of mentioning? Um, you know, uh, as, as far as, you know, the key takeaways, um, you know, I, I just, you know, for me, it's just, it's, it's not, it's not a simple debate. It's not as simple as, you know, a lot of people want to make it out to be, um, you know, it's very nuanced. Um, it's very, you know, history rich. Um, it's, you know, very spiritually rich, um, you know, and it's, 
uh, it, it's really a, a, a tough debate to have just because there is there is really no easy solution. And just falling back on, you know, both sides are bad and throw rocks at both sides. And I'm morally superior for doing that, you know, just is not um, it, it's just not a good debate strategy. OK, there you go. Squigs, anything else that you want to share with our listeners before we let you go today, brother? Uh, only other thing I would want to share is, you know, you should check out this new band called The Defiant uh, with uh, Pete Parada, former drummer of The Offspring, um, and uh, Dickie Barrett, uh, singer from Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. They've started this new band called The Defiant. Um, it is pretty much the, the very first like punk rock band uh, that has come out like since the lockdowns. And that's kind of like the whole point of the album was was anti uh, the tyranny of the lockdowns. So it's it's the first covid punk rock uh, music, uh, you know, that that has happened since the lockdowns. Check out The Defiant. There you go. Check out The Defiant. Hey, Squigs, thanks so much, brother. And sorry you got blocked by Clint. I know you liked him and everything, but maybe one day he'll just he'll loosen up and and start to realize maybe. how cool Squigs is. So thanks for your time today, brother. Yep. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's Squiggly Line Guy. What do you think? Send us a text at 573-319-1586. That's 573 319 Boom, biggity boom goes the dynamite. There you go. They show up. How many people are there? One, two. How many attackers do we have here? One, two, I can see three for sure. They're trying to get in the door. They've got guns, at least three guns. Boom, the defender starts shooting through the door, breaks the glass. Boom, and then they run away there. Actually, nicely done there, home defender. Good morning, good morning. For those of you who are tuning in to the Wake Up America show right now for the very first time, we'd love to have you come back and join us. Click like and subscribe. Don't forget, you can send us a text but 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. One listener did text in, they weighed in, and said that Palestinians have been oppressed by Israel. Why do you think a group like Hamas becomes radical over time? Interesting point of view. Won't debate with you on that one just because, um, you know, obviously I disagree, but um, we've. I'd, I'd rather talk about how to buy an AR-15. Kim McCurry says, oh, and when are, since when are gang wars mass shooting against the public? Um, I have no idea what you're saying. What about your ideas of order of mark with a following on mercenaries? Money for any hostage saved. Not a bad idea. Love to see it. Um, but if that won't happen, then um, did I not get that uh, clip on there? Did I did that not play, guys? Did I mess up and not? You, you saw this, right? Did you see this clip? I'm going to play one more time because I think I didn't have a... Yeah, I didn't have it up. Austin, you look like an idiot. There you go. Why you need an AR-15. One, two, three attackers with guns. This is why you need 30-round mags, people. Look at that. There you go. Nice job. Nice shooting, soldier. Nice shooting, soldier. There you go. Um, uh, to answer your question, Kim McCurry would love to see it. Love to see a bounty. However... Uh, time is of the essence, and there is an aircraft carrier there paid for by American taxpayer dollars. And if there are American citizens there, then, you know, maybe it would be a good idea to save the American citizens while they're there and not wait for uh, Congress to pass a letter of market reprisal, which we all know isn't going to happen. 
in theory, Kim, you're right. And I agree with you. And I'd love to see something like that happen. And we should stand for what is right every single time. But we should always do what is right based on the situation as it lies. And that is the difference between consequentialism and deontologicalism, right? Which is really the heart of the debate that we have and the problems that we have right now. Um, so let's talk about AR-15s for just a moment, uh, why you should buy one. Obviously, some of you uh, may have missed earlier the clips that I played of the airport in Dagestan where uh, Muslims swarmed an airport looking for Jews, uh, and, and hope, hoping to kill some Jews that uh, might have been landing in an airport there. When they heard that, that a flight from Tel Aviv might have arrived, Muslims flooded the airport looking to do violence to them. And these are the reasons why Jews need an AR-15. Now, obviously, everybody needs an AR-15, but some people say, well, the Jews, of all people, need AR-15s to protect themselves. That's why my friend Pew Pew Jew, Yehuda Remer, is a frequent guest on the show. And I actually just reached out to um, the member of the, I think is the head of the New York State Firearms Department. Let me have to take a look at this. Let me send it. Ah, Zvi Waldman. Yes, he's the founder of the New York State Jewish Gun Club. And he's also the founder of UJGC, United Jewish Gun Coalition. Awesome. Uh, and a Second Amendment uh, advocate. I sent him a message to try and get him on the show as well. It'd be nice to talk to him about why Jews need guns. Of course, we all need guns. So I'm, I imagine that we probably have very few Jews who listen to the show because, well, Jews are a smaller percentage of the population. There's 16 million Jews in the world. And there are 1.9 billion Muslims. Now, who's the oppressor and the oppressed when you look at things like that? But buying an AR-15, not an easy task for a first-timer. If you've never bought a gun before and the first gun that you buy is an AR-15, well, that might be a little bit intimidating. Well, so I'm going to be here to help you and answer your questions and help you to make a responsible and respectable firearms purchase so that if you do desire to buy an AR-15, you know a great place to visit. Now, here's my deal, and you can see the, what I've been... This is what it went for when I went to this website, just because you can tell this is what I was looking at. Buying, take a look at this. Check this out. Century Arms AP5M 9mm 30 round tactical pistol black. Look at that sexy, sexy gun. This is one of my favorite firearms manufacturers, Palmetto State Arms. Look at the price of this. Such a good deal. $900. There you go. You can fit that in a briefcase. A Century Arms AP5M 9mm 4.5, nice and tactical, fitted underneath your vest in case any um, um, Islamic terrorists or any kooky, weird government employees in Maine decide to go on a shooting spree. There you go. The Chroniclers digs the shirt. Thank you, the Chroniclers. So for this, maybe not if you're looking at getting a gun for self-defense, you know, I do think that an AR-15, probably better to get first before you get something like this, you know, you want to, before you get all tactical, but I love that it's chambered in nine millimeter. You have it a nice little pistol, Century Arms AP5. I mean, gosh, nice concealable. Look at that. You know, you can, you know, come by, have a few laughs, right? You want to feel like diehard. There you go. Get yourself one of those. Be like John McClane, 30 round tactical pistol chambered in nine millimeter. I mean, that is a sexy gun. And the only reason I'm showing this to you right now is because that's what I'm looking at right now. <laughs> but if you're looking at getting yourself an AR-15, here's the thing, just so you know, a couple of differences between um, AR-15s. Obviously, there's a billion million different types of AR-15s. There's rifle AR-15s, and there's pistol AR-15s. Let's talk about the difference. 
Pistols are regulated separately from rifles. Pistols have shorter barrels. Rifles have longer barrels. And there are lots of things that you want to be aware of. For the first time buyer, I typically recommend that you um, just buy an Era 15 outright um, versus build your own. Uh, I think it's a good idea if you are handy and if you're willing to do it to build your own AR-15. And the reason why I think it's a good idea for somebody to do something like that is the same reason why we're getting my wife a Smith & Wesson revolver, because it's easy for, easier for her to break down, easier for her to clean. She doesn't have to worry about gun jams or anything like that, right? But if you build your own AR-15 versus buy your, your own AR-15, building your own AR-15, you're going to know how your gun works. You're going to know the inner workings and you're not going to be as intimidated when it's time to clean your gun. Uh, and if you, and cleaning your gun is very important, especially for these types of rifles. It's, it's important for any gun, you know, even the AK-47 can sometimes jam, but AR-15s can have problems with loading. Any rifle can, you know, even bolt action rifles can have these problems, but, a, but an AR-15 is a semi-automatic firearm. And if you, if you don't want to worry about it, if you're not intimidated by the idea of building your own, then I recommend you do so because if you build your own, then you will know how your gun works and operates. So if you are ever in a jam, you know, literally and metaphorically, then you'll know how to clear your, um, clear your receiver and put another uh, round in the chamber so that you can continue to rock and roll, okay? So if you're gonna do something like that, if you are gonna actually be building your own AR-15, then I love Palmetto State Armory. They usually have really great parts. You can buy the upper, which is the barrel. This is, anybody can buy. Lower receivers, this is what's classified as a gun. So for those who uh, know everything about all this kind of stuff, I, I hope I'm not boring you. Well, it's good to review your knowledge and double check to make sure that I'm being accurate. Um, but a lower receiver, this is what is considered a firearm. This is what is regulated by the National Firearms Act. And if you purchase a lower receiver from Palmetto State Army Armory or from any of your gun manufacturers, I like to recommend Palmetto just because I don't have a deal with them or anything, but I just, they have good prices and their stuff's good quality. But if you buy a, um, if you buy a lower receiver, uh, then you're going to do a background check for this. Okay. Now, obviously there are ways to get around a background check for things like this. I mean, you know, you could go to a gun show and you could buy one from a private seller and you wouldn't have to do a background check, right? Or you could go you know, if your buddy has an AR-15 and you ask him to, to buy it, then you don't have to go through a background check to do it. But if you buy a lower receiver, for, or if you buy a, a full rifle or a full pistol, any of these, a full pistol, full rifle, or a lower receiver, you're going to be required to conduct, go through a criminal background check, an FFL, and fill out the form. And I would recommend that you just pull it up. What does the form look like? Maybe I'll do that here for you in just a moment. What does the form look like? And what questions will you be required to answer? It's, it's just good educational stuff anyway. So the lower receiver that you can see here is what the ATF classifies as a firearm. If you buy one of these, even though this doesn't do anything, right? Even though this doesn't shoot, right? You've got, um, you know, you could buy one of these right here, which is kind of nice because it's already completed. It's already assembled with like the stock on there. And honestly, damn, these are some good deals. Look at this, PSA, 150 bucks for a complete lower Magpul MOE edition, right? You got a nice collapsible stock on this one. You could go for, I mean, there's, I like Magpul 
products, their, their premium. Um, if you want like that more premium option, but then, you know, if you like me and you're poor, then you can get yourself a nice, you know, standard, um, collapsible stock, right? So when I say collapsible, that means that it moves and you can adjust it as you like. Um, and this is the more premium solution for, you know, 150 bucks versus 130, which is actually a pretty good deal for 20 bucks more. You get, you know, premium quality. They call this furniture if you're new to the gun stuff, right? So good furniture on there. Right. So if you buy a lower receiver, you will go through a federal firearms background check. If you buy a rifle, a completed rifle, you will get a federal background check. If you buy a pistol, you will get a federal background check. If you buy an upper, you will not get a federal background check. If you buy a kit, you will not get a federal background check. If you buy parts or slings or lower kits, um, let's see, or pistol kits, or rifle kits, or parts and accessories, or tools, you will not be required to go through a federal background check. You will only be required to go through a federal background check if you buy a rifle, a pistol, or a lower receiver. Are we good? Are we Gucci? Clear as mud? Good. Uh, if you have questions, feel free to send them in. Text them in at 573-319. 1586. Again, you can text the show today at 573-319-1586. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this one. All right. So uh looks like I got 30 minutes left to go. Um, just want to remind our listeners very briefly that the Wake Up America show is brought to you by our friends at Lear Capital, who are offering an incredible deal if you want to buy gold or silver. They still got that $500 account credit going on, but only if you call that number. Have you written it down yet? You better do it now. one 800 885 2175. Buy some guns, buy some gold. And what else can you buy uh, in, in Kapistan? You can buy guns, gold, MREs, <laughs> things like that. But I'm a big believer in guns and gold myself. And if you are too, check out my friends at Lear Capital. You can visit them at LearAustin.com. Fill out the form. They'll send you a free gold and silver information kit. Or you can also go to that number. Give them a call. I know that people like Phoneiverse these days. But this is the only way to get that $500 account credit. So I recommend you give Lear Capital a call today. 1-800-885-2175. That's 1-800-885-2175. Call them today. Get some gold and silver along with your guns. When we get back, I'm going to be talking to you about how to build your AR-15 or a good AR-15 for you to buy. If you have questions about places that you like to buy an Air 15 or places you think would be good or bad. Love to hear your input on this one. I know we got a lot of gun people in the chat. We'll be right back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. This is what an AR-15 sounds like. General Mark Hurtling served in the U.S. Army for 37 years, so he knows what the AR... <laughs> Oh my God. Good morning. Welcome to Wake Up America. Cantina crew. Uh, this is Elon Musk, the CEO. <laughs> Sorry about that. Elon Musk, go away. Uh, good morning. I'm Austin Peterson. If you're just tuning in to the Wake Up America show, we're glad and grateful to have you here. This is what an AR-15 sounds like. This was a general in the U.S. Army. Good God. If you're just tuning into the show, click like and subscribe for, a, for the Wake Up America show because only here... Are you going to have your rights defended and have a laugh as well? Yes, that was a U.S. general. Can we see that one more time? Now, 
I know for the audio listeners later on the show, they're going to be like, Austin, what are we looking at? Well, if I could describe it for you, essentially, we're looking at a limp noodle with an AR-15 rifle in his hand. Look at the way he handles this thing. This is no. This is why people say if we get into another war, we are going to lose. It's because of things like this. This is from a CNN report from like four or five years ago. Take a look at this. Look at this. This is a U.S. Army general, former U.S. Army general. Watch the way he holds this gun and shoots it. This is what an AR. Here you go. Watch this. This is what an AR-15 sounds like. General Mark Hurtling, sir. So long, gay boys. Jesus, that is really sad. (laughs) Good morning. If you're just tuning in the Wake Up America show, I'm your host, Austin Peterson. Glad and grateful to have you here. Do me a favor, click the like and subscribe, and hit us up with a text message at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. 319-1586. Floby Tenderson says, Floby says AR-15s are great. Get a few. But don't leave out the first aid kits. Check, we got them. Fire extinguishers. Check, we got them. Remember, mostly peaceful, but kind of fiery. <laughs> <laughs> One listener says, can you send me the link of the gun, please? Of course, sir. Of course. People are ripping on me on Twitter this morning because I said all Jews should get AR-15s and learn how to use them and train with them. And they're like, this guy hates white people. He doesn't say the same thing to white people. Listen, mother truckers, I have literally given away multiple firearms to white people. I gifted just a, you know, a few months ago, I gifted uh, a white guy in Georgia an, an AK-47. Chambered in 9mm. But still, fun little gun. Just because I say that Jews should buy guns and learn how to use them doesn't mean that I don't think that white people should use guns. I advocate for everybody to exercise their Second Amendment rights here in the United States. And that's what this segment is about. We're talking about guns. We're talking about which guns to buy, which guns maybe not the best to buy. What recommendations does AP have? And what guns does AP like to buy? Well, for those of you who know a thing or two about me, I'm not saying anything that you haven't heard before. But my favorite guns are honestly the old war babies. I like the ones that have the gnarly bayonets on the show and seeing some of these rifles that they have where they're from like World War II or they're like from the 1950s. I got a really snazzy AK-47 that's got a grenade launcher on the end. Hell yeah! Also, my M1 Garand from World War II can actually fit in a, a grenade launcher unit on there. Did you have... Remind me, Robbie, did you have to have a special type of M1 Garand to do that? Or it was, I thought every M1 Garand was able to fire the grenade that they crafted to go on the end of the M1 Garand, but maybe they had different M1 Garands that had the grenade launcher on them. I know that if you get an SKS, you have to get the Yugoslavian versions in order to get the grenade launchers on them. But just a heads up, if you do buy military surplus firearms that like older guns obviously have more issues than newer guns um but they also have like like gnarly stuff like bayonets and stuff that go with them but they are also historic which i you know makes them valuable and more fun to shoot for me a lot of more bolt actions but you can find some semi-automatic rifles like m1 garands and things like that those tend to be more expensive and semi-automatic rifles uh the semi-automatic rifles are going to have more problems than bolt action rifles just as a cause because, you know, the more machinery, the more parts that you have in a firearm, the more complicated it is, 
the more chance you're going to have for jams and problems and different things like that. So Floby Tenderson says that's a guy that hasn't touched the gun after basic. It's true. It's true. Yeah, he was a U.S. Army general. That means he knows. I really hate it when I see former U.S. military service members who advocate against our um, against, uh, against our Second Amendment rights. Robbie says that when it comes down to Grand, um, I think all of them are are capable of launching grenades. Yeah, you just had to have a special attachment and the type of grenade, then you could actually launch, and you had to have a dummy round, I believe, in order to launch it, right? So, from what I understand, yes. So, Clementine says, you go SKS with the grenade launcher, and fold-out bayonet is fun. That's what I got. Love it. See, I like the old guns, the war babies. And I know that's not what this segment is about, and I could go on and on and on and on for hours and hours and hours about all the old military surplus rifles, because that's my thing, but you're looking at a good home protection gun. It's not to say that some of these older guns, some of these old military surplus guns can't be good home protection guns. And a lot of people opt to go for standard things like a shotgun or a pistol or what have you. I totally get that. Um, You know, a shotgun is a good part of a home defense. Nice thing about that, too, is that you don't have to worry too much about over penetration, for example. And one of the things I also like about a shotgun, if you have one with bird rounds instead of buckshot, buckshot's going to put a big hole in the guy. But... And which is fine, but I like the idea that with birdshot, you know, you might just scare them off a little bit, right? You might, you're going to give them a real bad day, right? You might not kill them necessarily. That's one nice thing about a shotgun. If you are averse to taking human life, which I think normal people ought to be, right? I, not to say that if someone is violently attacking you that you don't have a right to do so, absolutely. But I do like that with a shotgun. If you put a deer round in it, buckshot round and stuff like that, you're going to probably delete them. Fine. But I also like that, you know, if you have birdshot in them and it's up close, you could likely delete them as well. You could absolutely blow somebody's head off with a shotgun at close range. But if they're a little farther away, you might just give them a really good excuse to run away and to rethink their life choices, right? They don't necessarily have to go and, you know, crawl off somewhere and die, right? I get it. I don't know. I just, I don't want to kill anybody. <laughs> I really don't. I'd love to go my entire life and never have to kill someone. But I will if I am required to do so in defense of my own life or in, in defense of someone I love's life. So anyway, so shotguns, obviously great for home defense. Still have to go through a background check in order to acquire one. Uh, however, uh, today's segment, we're talking about AR-15s, how to acquire one, and where's a great place to buy them. Again, I recommend, and I'm not paid to say this, I recommend Palmetto State Armory because their stuff is high quality and because they have good prices. So you can get a lot of the same guns that you can buy anywhere else, but usually you'll get them a, a little better deal over at Palmetto State Armory. So if you're looking at rifles, for example, uh, complete AR-15 rifles, which for somebody who's intimidated about building their own AR-15, this is a good place to get yourself an AR-15 where you don't have to worry about assembling it. I highly recommend that you get training, that you learn how your gun works. It's not hard to break down an AR-15. There's, there's two pins in the, in the lower receiver that you can push out and you can, sometimes you can do push them out with your tip of your finger, although you might just need like a ballpoint pen or some other like punch in order to break it in half and then get inside there and clean it, clean it, right? Take out the bolt, clean it, learn how, how it works. You are absolutely going to want to learn how to clean your firearm. If you buy a gun, please train with it. Please uh, um, learn how to clean it. And three, please carry it with you. Obviously, you can't always carry an AR-15 with you, but we can talk about handguns and concealed carry and laws and rules and regulations later. 
Obviously, you should check the laws and rules and regulations of your state before you engage in a firearms purchase and such, or try and purchase a firearm, you know, and start thinking I'm going to buy one and then I'm going to carry it across state lines. There are lots of laws and regulations. Check your local laws and regulations before you engage in so. But look at this. I think I bought mine and I and it was not assembled, but I bought a, a PSA 16-inch carbine or carbine, whatever you want to call it. Um, and this is chambered in 5.56, so this is the standard, you know, NATO round here. $479. That's a really good deal. I bought mine unassembled. I had to put mine together with the lower receiver, $450. This is the standard um, AR-15 right here. The $480 is a freaking, that's a killer deal right there. You know, that's a killer deal from Palmetto State Armory. You spend a little bit more on like their PSA, PA-15 here. You can see you're going to get like a little bit of upgraded furniture is what we call that here, right? See, so you get like this little, um, the uh, upper receiver up here. This is going to give you a little bit more options in terms of mounting optics and things like that. It, the problem, here's the thing, and this is important because I know for a lot of you, you're going to be like, if you're noobs, you're going to go out and maybe buy one of these uh, standard AR-15s because it's the cheapest. Just remember this part up here, up front, this uh, upper you can't um, mount a scope on top of that, right? You're not going to be able to mount lots of fun stuff on it, like, you know, flashlights or laser sights or any kind of tactical stuff that you want. You'll have to put an upper receiver on there with a Picatinny rail or some other type of rail system that exists. And there are like, you know, different types of rails. Without getting too complicated, if you buy one of these standard AR-15s, you can put standard sights on it, and then you can get your um, front and rear sights. They don't come with sights, so don't expect if you buy one of these stripped-down versions that you're going to have sights. You won't. You're going to need to have to buy some sights to put on top of it, which is why I, I tend to recommend, you know, going up for, you know, a little bit more of an upgrade, right? Up here, you can see this one for $600. You can get one with sights, and it has the Picatinny rail installed. That's the Picatinny rail is, is like the universal system for mounts. Mounting scopes, mounting lasers, mounting lights, you know, mounting silly little toys. People like do all kinds of funny stuff with their guns. But if you buy, if you buy an upgraded AR-15, something like this, here's one that looks like it has an, a Picatinny rail on it for 500 bucks. Here's one for 600 bucks, right? So they can run the gamut for as low as, you know, 470, 480 bucks to let's go down to like some of their more expensive rifles down here, eight or 900 bucks stainless steel, lightweight, right? You're going to get a rifle that's going to weigh a lot less. You know, I like the ones that these have these, the old style standard, <clears throat> look at this 20 inch barrel <laughs> uh, with, this is more like closer to like Vietnam era style. And you've got the hand, the, the carry handle on the top of it, which is pretty cool for like people who are like, you know, history buffs. But the more you spend typically here on these sites, the you know the more options you're going to get on there the more kind of tactical fun stuff that they might um that they might include on let's just for fun let's go from highest their highest price to their lowest price damn look at this three thousand dollars battle arms 223 remington ar rifle with 16 inch barrel right so there we go that's not bad um that's i mean that's pretty sweet little setup there semi-automatic ar-15 and 556 here you can see now, 223 and 556 caliber. We haven't discussed caliber yet, but this might be a good opportunity for us to do so. Um, and, and this is very important. Buy, in my opinion, buy a 556 chambered versus a 223. You can buy lots of different chambers. You can buy 
you know, 300 blackout. And that's a really good one if you want to operate suppressed at some point, right? For your first AR-15, my recommendation is that you go for a, um, is that my recommendation is that you go for one that is a standard 556 because the ammo's available, right? They have 308 and that's a big old honked bullet, right? And so I don't recommend that you go for that right away. Although it's, those are great rifles. Um, not, there's nothing wrong with them. I just think if it's your very first AR-15, you know, baby's first AR-15, get you one that's chambered in either 5.56, in my opinion, or 2.23, preferably 5.56, because the 2.23 is going to be, the problem is, is that you can shoot 2.23 out of a 5.56 barrel, but you can't shoot 5.56 out of a 2.23 barrel because of the gas, right? So the problem is, is that you know, when these are, these are gas-operated blowback rifles, what's happening is that the um, 5.56 barrel, it can go lower power. 2.23 is a little bit lower power, but you can't take a 2.23 and then up the power without blowing out, blowing out your gun. You don't want to damage your gun, and you don't want to have some kind of a malfunction, right? So my recommendation for first-time AR-15 buyers is to just go for that standard, five five six and if you're going to buy like the uh, the ultimate el cheapo remember that you are not going to be able to um add like laser sights or flashlights or different things like that right off the bat typically unless you upgrade it now and uh, you can upgrade your ar-15s even if you buy the ultimate cheapo one my first one for example i bought the ultimate cheapo one and then i bought you know an upper hand guard that i could with a picatinny rail that i could mount things on and and mess around with like tactical fun stuff, right? You can always upgrade it, but remember, you're going to need to learn how your gun works. It's not easy. It's uh, the first time that you try and like add upgrades to your AR-15, you're going to struggle. It's not simple and you're going to want tools that perhaps are made just for the AR-15. No, not perhaps, but they are made for the AR-15 in order for you to be able to put some of these things together. And if you don't have a lot of grip strength, uh, for those out there who maybe have like maybe they have a disability or something like that, it can be very difficult to uh, disassemble and assemble and put upgrades on your gun if you've never done that before. And you don't know how it works. One, you've got to figure it out watching YouTube tutorials and things like that when those videos aren't taken down by YouTube. But then two, you've also got to buy the parts and do all that stuff, which is why I recommend get yourself like you know a little bit more of a medium range uh, or a medium range price or like maybe just above the lowest level price of AR-15, chambered in 5.56 that already has a Picatinny rail and the upper that you can just immediately, you know, if you want to buy a light at the local store, put a light on there. Or you want to put a, an, a um, red dot sight on there, you can buy a red dot sight and just install it on there. If you buy the absolute cheapest AR-15 in 223, your options are going to be very limited by what you're able to accomplish in terms of upgrades and with what your gun can actually shoot. If you buy a 5.56, chambered that's upgraded a little bit that has the rail on there that you can mount things on that's going to be more like 500 or so 500 to 600 range for an ar-15 like that's upgraded you won't regret it in my opinion because you'll have a really good home defense firearm that will be capable of firing the standard nato round that you can find pretty much everywhere if you do for some reason get a 223 in there in the chamber it'll fire fine and you won't have any problems but if you buy a 223 that's that's not upgraded and you get it and you stick some five five six rounds in there because you know what you're doing, you're going to damage your gun and you're going to lose out on your investment. So buy a little bit of an upgraded one, in my opinion, if it's your first time. 
Um, otherwise, if you're going to put a kit together for that, then I think that it's a good idea for you to um, just go ahead and buy a completed rifle with the Picatinny rail, the handguard all set so that you can go ahead and, you know, maybe have buy one that already has sights on it. Remember, the cheapos aren't going to have sights on them. And then you can get all the fun stuff. I love me the red dot light, the red dot sights. That's my my jam. But it's a good idea also, especially if you're going to use it for defense, home defense at night, to get yourself a flashlight that uh, clamps to the side of the rail, right? Because that way you can see where you're, what you're aiming at, you know what's behind you. Always practice gun safety rules that you would follow for any other type of firearm. Um, and these are my opinions and recommendations. They're not universal. Some people disagree with these things, and that's fine. Drop a comment. Let me know why you think that, that I'm wrong about this. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And you can also, of course, send us a text at 573-319-1586 from Willie. He says a 223 Wild WYLD chamber is a hybrid rifle chamber designed to allow 22 caliber barrels to safely fire both 223 Remington and 556 NATO. Wow, that's really cool. 223 Wild will shoot both. Yeah, I think for a first timer, though, maybe not try and confuse them too much, right? Sign of Jonah says 9mm is the most common ammo, I'm told. Yes, and there are some AR-15s that do fire 9mm native. However, if I still recommend the 5.56 because you can actually get conversion kits. If you think to yourself, oh, well, I like my AR-15, but I have all this 9mm ammo and I'd like to convert it. It's actually not hard. The conversion kits are like 250 bucks to convert your 5.56 rifle to a 9mm. But um, you can also buy 9mm um, uh, AR-15s. They just they don't have, they, they have more of the pistol ballistics versus the rifle ballistics. Robbie Thurman says, my home defense choice is a short barrel AR 300 blackout with a whisper pickle. There you go. I like whisper pickles. Uh, there you go. All right. Well, it looks like we have come to the end of the show. It was a great show today. Good conversation with Squigs with John Miltimore. Did you like it? Then why haven't you clicked the like button yet? Click the like button before you go. Subscribe to the channel. Come back and join us every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. As always, if you send us a text message, I would love to chat with you guys about whatever's going on night or day. You can always text the show at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. I check those things. I can't always see them on air, but I, then I'll check them later. Uh, I try and read your text on air as much as possible, but it's tough to do absolutely everything here in the world. Spin in plates, right? It's the circus. Surrounded by clowns. Sign of Jonah. See you later, brother. Clementine, Somniferum75, Robbie Theremin, Jimmy Joe Patty joining us here. The Chroniclers, Floby Tenderson, KV Andy 90 Good to see you guys. Appreciate you all joining us today. Blue Trike is here as well. Good to see you, Blue Trike. You're starting to be an OG member these days. Katie 556 here as well. Mimi's husband joining us. Good to see you. Good to see you guys. Hope that you guys will come back, but I think the easiest way to make sure that you find us again is to hit us up, right, with that subscribe button. We'll see you tomorrow on Halloween. Let's just do a Halloween special tomorrow. You guys want to do some kind of spooky stuff? Okay, we'll do that. Spooky stuff. Have a great day, everyone. Bye, Camellia. Bye, Katie. Bye, Chroniclers. Bye, Jonah. See you guys tomorrow on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com.